Many responsibilities come with being a leader in a high-growth company. Some of those are more emotionally burdening than others. As the work environment changed over the last few years, the emotional burden of leadership changed as well. How do leaders of high-growth companies tackle this challenge and continue to set their companies up for success? In this episode of the Privately Speaking podcast series, host and KPMG private enterprise partner, Erica Whitmore, sits down with Chris Hutchinson, CEO and abundance influencer, Trebuchet Group, to discuss further. All right, so excited to be here with you today. Uh, We've got Chris Hutchinson, I'm going to give him a few minutes to introduce himself, but very, very excited about the topic that we have today, uh, the emotional burden of leadership. So Mm. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, The prep prep itself was fun and and all the time I've been getting to know Chris here over the last couple of years has, has been great. So glad that you can finally join the podcast, Chris. So I will give you, pass it over to you for just a few minutes. To introduce yourself. Eric, I'm very excited to be here too. This is great. I mean, uh, we've gotten to spend some time together and I know that this podcast and you and the team are really focused on how do you help companies that are in high growth situations do really well. And there's so many pieces. This is a piece that frequently gets overlooked. So it's going to be kind of fun to dig down into it gently. Um, I should say, like, my, part of my introduction, so I've been doing this with my company for 21 years. I'm one of these founders that has these problems so that, you know, I can look in the mirror and go, oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get introduced as a recovering engineer. And then nice. the engineers in the room get really pissed because they're like, what is there to recover from? But <laughs> but it, essentially, it's around the, the people components are as important or more important than the technical expertise of the systems we build. And So what our company does really is help leaders and teams work together better so that we can go make organizations effective and efficient. We don't really come in and tell people what to do. We help unearth what's there so they can use all that strength to go make things happen. Awesome. Outstanding. Well, so we're going to dive in. Um, And again, you know, I kind of like the way that you put this out there, Chris, how to successfully wrestle, because that's, I think, what it is, right, with the emotional burden of leadership. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to let you kind of speak to this first is, is, you know, the awareness, right? So, so what does that look like? Well, I, I think, you know, recently I, I got a chance to take a four month sabbatical and it was a really neat situation where, you know, it's long enough. So people can't just tie a rope to the steering wheel and say, he'll be back right. you know, as, <laughs> as the founder. And, and when I did that, the folks that stepped in and sat down in the seat uh, and did things later on said, I had no idea that there was so much emotional work in leadership. Yes. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they're like, now I know why, you know, sometimes you'd be like, oh, this is hard. And, and we're like, that's easy. You know, this is not a big problem. So I think the awareness that it is an emo. well, let me say it this way, unless you're uh, pathologically sort of damaged, you probably care about people. And when you care about people, you get a sense of when things are going well or not. And that comes back to you in responsibility as a leader. If you feel that, you're like, holy cow, I have this responsibility for this organization or these people or this team, and we're not doing as good as we could. I mean, I think we could be better, but we're not. What's happening? What am I doing wrong? So that awareness that it is emotional work trying to wrestle with people's highs and lows, and uh, especially now, there is a higher level of expectation. It's. I mean, I've had people say, I'm like a counselor. You know, people yeah. come in and say, I'm not working out with my spouse. What do I do? And, and it, things that never used to come to work because work and, and life sort of blended during COVID. Right. So it's, it's a it's higher burden, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, because we're focused on high growth companies, how, and I, I know the answer, I think, I think I know the answer, but I want to hear you say it. How does that show up in high growth companies? Well, in high growth companies, um, very frequently, those are created around someone who had a great idea. And that great idea is a product or a service. And it's not a great idea like, wow, I'm going to make this amazing company that's going to go deliver this stuff. They're like, I'm going to go do this thing. And so it's very easy for that sort of uh, infrastructure work that really needs to happen to be completely discounted. Like, just get these smart people in a room, get the best from the industry, put them all in a room together, and then they'll perform like a, you know, clock. That's usually the opposite of what happens. People are probably have some egos and we start being really siloed. And that's not going to help the organization. One thing that I like to share, this is from engineering, is if we optimize every piece of an organization, it means the organization will be sub-optimized. We sell three times what we can produce. You know, uh, we, we uh, you know, have an inventory way more than we can ever distribute. Right. It's just huge problems. But inventory is like, this is what we're creating. And, and distribution is going, we're doing all we can. But if you optimize the organization, it almost automatically means everybody except maybe one or two functions, is sub-optimized. People who are running hard in a high-growth company don't want to hear that. Like, yeah. I want to be running at 150%. I don't care what you want, even though I'm generating waste and problems for other people. Oh, by the way, the leader gets to see all this and figure out, how do I tell people we need to actually run together, not right. just in the in the direction individually? So I love that. So give me a, a, a for example so so maybe it's i've worked with this and i know you don't, you don't want to name names probably sure. but i worked with this company or this company and it, because i really loved how because it's almost like they were siloed and they were all trying to do the best that they could but they didn't have the company objective in mind so yes. then they didn't get where they wanted to go but give us for a, yeah a i can example. give you a, a high growth company that's it's a startup it's been a startup mode for a while it's a technological company i won't say where it is in and what it does yep. but but they had some people they brought in to actually take technological ideas and put them into practice so they could actually produce the stuff right the the people who are in the idea generation are like it needs to be perfect because that's where they get their yep. value. It's like it needs to be better and better and better. And the people that are trying to create the factory to actually generate this stuff, it's like we got to stop at some point and actually make this stuff happen. And they were in this incredible tension because it was like, no, no, but but wait, we could get this one more thing done and then it'll be better. You know, and so right. everybody's running optimally, but the company was literally almost bankrupt because they couldn't actually get the product out. Right. Even and so they had to do like we have to have a freeze on this, which pissed the people who are developing it off. But sure. it helped get runway for the folks who could actually get the product out so they could make money to then loop the cycle continue, back. And, yeah, yeah. To yeah. continue to work on it. How long did that take to work through with the leadership team? You know, stuff like that. Well, it, it had been existing for a long time, but until they got to the point where they had the funding and they were high growthing, it didn't matter. They just could use the funding, right? But then, sure. so it, it developed over probably a decade. I would yeah. say that they were kind of cranking along. And then in the last, nine to it's usually nine to 18 months about nine months is about like wait we need to make a change to when we can sex successfully make that change is, is is it takes like nine months when you have a hard habit yeah no that makes sense well and probably even more important today for companies who likely are a little bit more focused on profitability you mm -hmm. know in terms of getting funded it's a little bit slower than it was unfortunately uh, or yeah. fortunately depending on how you look at it um so that focus on profitability 
you know, more important than ever to make sure that you you get it right. Um, so I'm going to switch gears on us just a little bit, yeah, um, and talk about the emotional burden in in terms of the founder ah. because I think hopefully we have some <laughs> founders um, listening, and or I'm sure we have many that were former founders, etc. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that's something that would be really interesting to touch on as well. Yeah, the founder syndrome is a you can Google that. It's I mean, when I when I bring up the symptoms to people, they're like, really? That's a thing? I'm like, yeah, it's not just you. It's it's a system dynamic that occurs. And so what happens is I start a company and I have a vision for what's possible. And I sort of create a strategy around that, how we can get there. And then we create a structure of roles and things. You know, when you start, it's all you, and then you got to give things away. Yep. And then then th- that means you have roles. And essentially, uh, you can't quite see, but my hands are horizontal here. They all have equal weight and importance. Oh, and by the, after the role is the person, me, right? So anything that's criticized about any part of that is a personal attack. It's a person like, because I was, what do you mean? I developed that strategy. Excuse me. You know, where right. were you? And da, da, da. Or this is my role. I do it well. And and so it feels incredibly personal. And what I do is I, when I, I do this, I write it down on dry erase board and then I write it down for uh, vertically on the top is the vision served by the strategy served by the structure served by the roles served by the people and so if anything changes above everything below has an opportunity to change and it's not personal but that's really hard it's like a identity ectomy for for founders because sure. the emotional burden is i'm carrying all that stuff and it's all mine and it feels like a part of me and until right. you can sort of step away from that and say i'm here and that's there so we can all get better and put it on a again dry race board where we're shoulder to shoulder looking at it and go, what can be better? Not you suck, you know, but yeah, what can so right. it's it's separating that personal, I mean, the taking it personal is what got you here. And it's exactly what will drag you down if you don't sort of separate that and say, that's over there, I'm over here, we're okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And and you know, one thing, and we did not talk about this, full disclosure, did not talk about this in the prep, Chris. So I'm throwing a zinger at you. Oh my um, gosh. But I think, you know, a lot of high growth companies if that have really, really strong cultures, especially when they're smaller and they're scrappy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That is one thing you see. Sometimes they'll hire for it, right? Yeah. Now, now that gets a lot harder, right, as they get bigger. Definitely. And so how does that, and again, this is the zinger I'm throwing at you, how does that play into this, right? So, so at some point, the company gets to a point where they can't rely completely on their founder. They're getting too mm-hmm. big, which is a great problem to have, right? That's yep. what you want to yep. do. We, we did hire for culture, but man, now I, we thought we hired everyone for culture, but it's like not working as well. Like, mm-hmm. help me, help me think through some of because I think those are some of the problems that that these companies face, right? A- absolutely, and th- there's no like one magic bullet or or thing right. to, to make that work. Um, I'll tell you one way, and it's going to sound. It, it, people use this, and it doesn't work well. But so I'll qualify it. So because we'll talk about values and yep. values are frequently aspirational ideas of how about who we should be. And in fact, it's who you're not being and you better go do that or else. Right. Yeah. But when you actually, uh, I talk about building an eggshell structure is just enough structure around what's there so it can evolve and grow. So it's, we actually have times when we sit down and say, so what were the times we did something when it wasn't easy, when it was hard, when we bled, but we did it anyway. And reverse engineer out what are those what are those lived behaviors? I'll call them that way. You okay. know, and those are the things that you know we're like. Well, you know, we got on a plane, even you know, and took something to a customer, and at nine o'clock on Thanksgiving to go do something. 
well, it sounds like you have a pretty deep care of the customer, right? But we don't say you need to care for the customer and let's show it. And you can reverse engineer out who are we? Because these are the things we'll do even when people would go, that's stupid. What are you doing that for? Just take the easy route. That can help people have, and especially the story, that's mm-hmm. how that perpetuates that culture you're trying to do. And you pick the ones that are great, not the ones where, you know, bad things happen. You pick those yeah. and you say, this is who we are. And when we're talking to people, if they don't fit with this, let's get out. Um, Southwest has a great thing where they actually will take pilots to come in and have them go down and get shorts at the company store and then do their whole interview with the top of like suit and then shorts. Huh. And if they're unwilling to do that, this is, you know, I don't know if this still applies. Yeah. They're out. They're, out. They're, really? they're not a fit. Yeah. So, so super interesting. Yeah. And so it's thinking about those things, not just to be hokey, to really think about what are the things that when push comes to shove, this person's going to be lined up with everybody else versus saying, hey, this is my problem. You guys look like you got a lot of trouble. I think I'm going off to another high growth company. See ya. Yeah. I really like the story aspect, right? Because I think that 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 res- that can resonate, right? And you'll remember That's that. That's the way we all better. remember things. Yes. You know? yes. Yeah. I, yes, I, can, I can recount speeches of people when they share something. And I almost don't remember their name, but I can remember the story that they have. That's what you want to latch on to and yes. use to the benefit of everyone. So you would say that that should actually be part of developing your company values. Yeah, I would do that because most people do aspirational values. Let's be this, yeah. this, and this right. instead of who are we really? There yes. might be something you're working towards, but don't put it in there because people will go, well, that's not us. So this whole thing is garbage. I like that. Yeah, they'll I throw it all that, out. Actually. Yeah, I love that. See, now I got off on a tangent here. <laughs> no, it's totally good. I, there's, there's, this is such a rich place because it's un, it's untraveled. A yeah, lot of, well, you know, yeah. people that have gone through multiple failures, they get this. They say, you know what? We're going to sit down and every person we're going to see, what do they bring both in superpower and in kryptonite? And right. how are we offsetting that? Not that everybody's perfect, but in a team, we need each other and we yeah. can go make great things happen. Much right. better than if we're all individually just, you know, I won. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? You're way behind us. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when do companies come to you versus when should they come to you? <laughs> That's such a great question. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, a lot of times we get seen as urgent care and somebody will come in and say, okay, I have this person named Erica Whitmore and we need to fix her. And so, you know, what yeah. are you going to do to do that? Yeah. And now, luckily, actually, most of our clients don't do that anymore because they, I don't know, we just attract the right people who say, hey, we're having a challenge in our company and we really need to support stuff and we have multiple people that are struggling. And so can we have a conversation around what's possible and how can we help? Because there's all sorts of tools we have, but it depends on where we're going sure, and, and what we're trying to do. So um, I think a lot of folks come with, as we say, the presenting problem is usually not the real problem. It's not probably you, Erica. It's probably, and I'm making this up, by the way. It's not. Yeah, you. no, um, I am it, a problem. It Everybody could be, will tell you, know, you that. <laughs> you might have a really good sense of harmony and you are the first, the canary in the coal mine that's starting to go, ooh, it's not feeling right for me. And, and other people are like, well, Erica's kind of like having a hard time versus saying Erica is our warning system that we are starting to tread into the place where we're going to have right. stress fractures and it's going to pull the company. Oh, we're going to get a, a, um, an offer to be bought. Now it's all about each person rather than us together, yes. you know, but it, so it's, it, you know, thinking about those things. So I think times when people really should go see folks like us and would be like, we're really trying to get traction towards somewhere and it's just not happening. We're, we, we aren't kind of being the best of ourselves. 
people are starting to sort of take care of themselves and whatever's left over, maybe somebody gets it. So when a team is, and it's not all lovey-dovey hugs, it means I'm willing to step in there and say, Erica, you're having a hard time. Rather, my accountability to you is I need to take something out of your backpack because we're walking slower because you can't walk that fast. What can we do together? Right. How can I help you? And those teams go a long way because everybody's making up for each other's limitations, not trying to just shine. And the leader has to set the aspect, I think, of what are we doing here together versus like if I endorse you and say, well, Eric, you're having a hard time. Sorry about that. You're in a pip or something. And then this other person, you're doing so great. I have just endorsed individualism and we don't have a team. And now everybody's like, ah, just take care of yourself. And that's the death of many companies, because when you suboptimize that to that function, uh, you're not going to really the company's not going to succeed. That makes a lot of sense. You know, um, how about bringing it back to relationships and trust? That was something that we touched on a little bit earlier. Yeah. And, and and just kind of talk to me a little bit about that aspect, right, of leadership and the emotional burden of leadership. That's a perfect connection because to be um, basically to, to take on that burden means you're going to need to be vulnerable. Yep. You're going to be open to things that aren't going the way you intended. There's going to be things that I thought I was trying to do, and the impact was the complete opposite side. If I'm open to that and can say, wow, um, you know, uh, what what happened to you? I saw this impact that didn't look really good rather than, she's having a hard day. Uh, and, and then you'd say, oh, actually, here's the way I took it. As you said, you know, gosh, we need to get somebody who can really do the work here. And you thought it was a personal criticism of you. And I was, I was talking about something completely else. Right. If I'm, if I'm willing to go in that space, you can trust that I have your back. I, It's an right. emotionally safe place, that psychological safety thing. And, and when we get to that, I think then people will be willing to say, hey, I disagree with you because I know you're okay and I'm okay. And the commitment we have is so much stronger. So, right. so it's really vital. And when we have that deep commitment, I would hold you accountable. And like I said, it's not always, you know, accountability sounds punitive usually, but it could be, I'm going to help you out because we all lose if you lose. Right. And it's when we lean in that in together, exactly, yeah. exactly. And and so I think the leaders thing is like, where are we headed? I want your inputs in this. Where are we struggling? What can we do about it? And being willing to take the first step to say, I don't know. I need some help. We need, we could be better. I'm sort of struggling here, which is anathema to many people who are like, I just want a big wake behind me because I'm going so damn fast. But that leaves trails of carnage, right? So if we can do that all together, Everybody makes it. That's best. I mean, if you have somebody's off for themselves, that's different. But in terms of if you're willing to be part of this team to make this great mission happen, oh, by the way, here's your job. Awesome. So, Chris, I want to make sure we have a few minutes for mm -hmm. you to kind of say, if if I wanted somebody who is listening, here's the top three things that I want them to think about, kind mm. of as we kind of wrap it up. And yeah. and take take your time, right? Like I, I because I do think we've we've kind of covered a lot of ground today, but I but I know they could all like each of these subtopics could be you know a podcast in and of itself or or yeah. a work, workshop or et cetera. So so if I'm an, I'm a founder or I'm an executive at one of these high growth companies or I'm aspiring to be, what are my, what are my top three things? Great question. The first thing is that Erica, I would like you to know, and everybody who's listening, to know you are not alone. 
You are not alone. There are many, many people who have experienced similar things. It's not really actually about you, even though it feels incredibly personal. So that's, that's the most important thing is you are not alone. Other people have done this. You're not all by yourself. Uh, Even though you feel that you're not effective enough or you're frustrated or whatever, there's many people who are just as frustrated and feeling ineffective. The second thing is I believe there's hope. I believe there are many, many people who have worked together to figure out how do we leverage our strengths with each other? How can I, you know, the thing that I hate with paperwork is something that somebody else loves to do. And they might not want to get up on stage and talk to people. I love to do that. So together, way more, right? But I have to be open about what my kryptonite is. So, you know, you're not, basically, there's hope if you're willing to be vulnerable, do some hard work and invest in yourself and others in time, energy, and sometimes funds, which is number three. Getting a partner makes all the difference. Right. Otherwise, I'm stuck in my head and trying to figure out. So that can be, it depends on what you're trying to get. You know, it could be, hey, I need to talk to somebody about this emotional burden. It could be a therapist. It could be a coach. Um, it or could a mentor. Be, yeah, or a mentor, right? And yeah. and then there's also the pieces. That's actually, I think, a predecessory step to then go working. How do I build good relationships? And then how do we go make this place better? Most people go to the technical part first. But yes. That requires the people being trusted and equipped which requires me to know myself and be in action. So, I mean, whatever piece is missing, I think go find a partner that you can work that doesn't tell you how to do it. They help you uncover what you're strong at and where your limitations are. Perfect. That is awesome, Chris. And with that, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I I always enjoy spending time with you, but I'm I'm so happy you were able to make the podcast today and, and take the time to do it. And and give some wonderful perspective to our listeners. So thank you so much, Chris. Erica, thank you for having me on. And and I want to thank all your listeners for going out and doing that hard work and rising to the challenge that you think a better world could be possible and you're going to engage other people to make that happen. I know that's what you do, Erica. And it's great to be part of this. Thank you, Chris. Awesome. Have a good day. Will do. Thank you for listening to KPMG's Privately Speaking podcast. And be sure to subscribe to this series to be notified of new episodes.